Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Mandela. This evening we're recording the trail less traveled on one of the first blue sky days that Missoula's seen. So I'm sitting here with someone I've wanted to interview for at least a decade and that is Jenna Lyons. Jenna is a lawyer with Sullivan, Wagner & Lyons. She is also an athlete with a focus on paragliding, long distance running, and she's learning how to kiteboard and whitewater kayak. Jenna is originally from New Mexico, but she grew up in Idaho and has been in Missoula since 2010. Jenna, I just wanna say thank you so much for the time and energy that you're taking joining me today on the Trail Less Traveled. Oh, thank you so much. I've always loved the show and um, it's exciting to uh, get to talk with you. <laughs> you just came back from an adventure kiteboarding in Oregon, right? Yeah, um, kind of an attempt to like escape the smoke with my partner and just see some new scenes and escape the heat as well, although it was hot there too, but yeah, and then I came back and it was like perfectly clear and kind of a lot cooler. So it was a good mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah. Jenna, my first question for you is where did you grow up and how was adventure a part of your childhood? So I grew up or I was born in Portales, New Mexico. Uh, my parents were professors, so they were teaching at Eastern New Mexico a university there in Portales and I don't really remember a lot of New Mexico because I was pretty young but we moved after that to a couple different places that I truly don't remember Pennsylvania and Salt Lake and then I mostly grew up in eastern Idaho and Pocatello. I don't want to give Pocatello a bad rap but there's not there's not a lot going on there other than if you are doing things outdoors and primarily it was rock climbing and mountain biking and trail running was like a big trail running was like the big thing for me because my first like little adventures were I did cross country and track and it wasn't good enough like it wasn't enough to be on a, a course with all the other kids and being told where to go and my parents got divorced and we moved my dad moved like really close to these awesome desert type trails and there were miles of them and you'd start in the sage flats and then you'd kind of like go up into the timber and then you could get further and further out and there would all of a sudden be like creeks and timber and moose and I think I truly learned how to adventure just trying to find some peace in like my family situation and just going out by myself. At first it was like three miles, nothing significant because I was like, wow, trail running's pretty hard. And then it became like five miles and then it was 10 and then it just kept getting easier and I would find new things, you know, each time I went further out. 
And then I just got a car, you know, and I was a teenager and I realized I could go to other trailheads and, um, it was just kind of like a necessity at first, but then it became like my most inner peace was like doing that. And then I had a neighbor who was a trail runner for Patagonia, like a sponsored trail runner. And he started doing these races that were like long, like 50 mile races, hundred mile races. And that just blew my mind that like a person could do that. And so as a teenager, when I was like 15, I signed up for the Pocatello marathon and I did that and it was all on the road, but it was like still cool just to like accomplish something like that. And then Luke, that's my friend, he told me that they do races that are super long on trails and you're just in the mountains for the day. And so I signed up for this Pocatello, it's now called the Scout Mountain Ultra Trail Race. And he was the director of it and encouraged me to do it. And so I signed up for that. I think I did the 50K, so the 32 mile one. And that was when I was, I think I was 16 when I first did one of those. I didn't lose, like I didn't get last place, but I definitely wasn't in the first you know, winners or whatever, or the podium or anything like that. I was kind of in the middle of the pack because I really didn't know how to properly like fuel and train and, or anything like that. But I just like finished and I was like, wow, you know, I did like, I did it. And then, you know, as the years went on and through college and law school and I dabbled in other things like mountain bike racing and stuff like that, but just being out running and doing that type of thing I started doing it more seriously in law school and a little bit afterward and I'm not really doing ultras anymore just because I've had some injuries and it's just hard but that was kind of the evolution I guess and the distances started get long, getting longer and the terrain started getting more difficult and you just realize that, that the human body and more so the mind is like once you put your mind to something you can do it and especially if you're enjoying it along the way it was never about there was a while there where I was like you know I need to be doing this professionally or like I need to be beating everyone and my performance started to get worse when that was the mindset and then I had a coach, David Roach, who coaches a lot of famous athletes, but he, he like took me on as an athlete and he was like, the most important thing is if you're not having fun, why would you do anything? And so for me, it was like shifting the mindset back to how it was when I was a kid being able to have fun and adventure and enjoy the people I would meet along the way and enjoy the ups and downs of training and have it be like being a kid again. His analogy was when you're watching a kid run around on the playground, they're hauling ass on the playground, but they don't realize that they're taxing their body. They're just having fun. And so for me, that was a huge game changer. I started doing better in races. I started just like flitting around and smiling at people on the race course and just totally changing everything. And 
So that's how I learned to adventure. A long, long story short. Now for me, um, I'm learning these more flow type sports where there's more elements involved like water and wind and air and kind of transforming being a strong athlete into adventuring and being at the mercy of other elements and just changing the way I interact with the world. That's the voice of Jenna Lyons. She is a lawyer here in Missoula as well as a multi-talented athlete. Jenna, I was wondering if you could share an experience with us an experience where you learned a lesson, one that you can share with a listener. Yeah, so I think, you know, every day you learn a lesson when you're doing a sport or you know, learning anything really, but I think the biggest lesson for me that I learned was there's definitely like a crux in my life, not just athletic career or professional career, but kind of a li- huge life lesson that changed the way I approach everything, which is that in law school, I got super sick. I didn't realize why, like it was undiagnosable, like doc, you know, I went to multiple doctors and they gave me various explanations varying from having IBS to being depressed, just these unsatisfactory diagnoses. And then I went to, just out of frustration, a friend recommended that I go to a naturopath and get some blood work done and, like, explore some other things with her. So I went to a naturopath here in Missoula, and we did a bunch of blood work, discovered that there were some allergies present, but that's kind of a side thing that was going on. But more importantly we came to realize that I had pretty severe overtraining syndrome, which is basically, and you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but how it's been explained to me and what I've read about it is when your body reaches a certain level of being stressed out all the time, your body can't distinguish between the stressors. So you have work, stress, relationship stress, and then trying to train for these really taxing races, plus whatever else there is, family. But your body can't, and your mind, frankly, can't distinguish among those or compartmentalize them. And so eventually it got to a point where I was trying to do law school, which is hard, and then trying to basically like pretend like I was a professional athlete and it all just like came crashing down and I one day like couldn't get out of bed to go to class and that's when I started exploring this and I was like man I need to make a commitment to figuring this out because no one can do this for an for a period of time there was no sleeping super weird emotions um just like this deep deep fatigue you know just getting out of bed in the morning was a challenge so we figured it out and the remedy ended up being no running basically walks sleeping paying attention to nutrition and hydration and just these kind of basic things that we all need and you know dealing with emotional stuff and really just taking time to like reset and just recalibrate because it turns out like if you don't have a good foundation and your health and managing stress then you can't 
be a high achieving athlete or a lawyer or anything. So it was like a really hard few months and I've had fallout from that, like stress fractures and just kind of weird stuff like that that's happened since that. But after that period when I was kind of recovered, I raced a little bit and I did pretty well, but I kind of just realized that training like a professional athlete in that way wasn't necessarily serving me, especially as I move into being a lawyer and now I'm a realtor too, that it's a lot. (laughs) So just shifting mindset and taking care. And I think that's my lesson that I learned was you have to walk before you can run. And from there you can build off. The Trail Less Traveled podcast and international outreach programs are made possible by the support from listeners such as yourself. For the cost of a cup of coffee once a month, you can support the show on Patreon. Patreon can offer you a subscription-style payment method in the amount of your choice in exchange for priority access to the Trail Less Traveled visual series, exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and ad-free podcasting. Please consider helping keep my fiscal raft afloat by visiting patreon.com slash trail less traveled. We're sitting here on a beautiful Missoula evening with a bluebird sky in August with Jenna Lyons. Jenna is a lawyer with Sullivan, Wagner, and Lyons. She's also an athlete with a focus on paragliding, long-distance running, and she's also getting into kiteboarding and whitewater kayaking. Jenna has been here in Missoula since 2010, and she started paragliding in 2018. So, Jenna, I'd love to get into the sky with you now and just take us through the whole process of learning how to paraglide and that beautiful feeling of being up above Missoula, you know, on a regular basis. To have that perspective on the world, I think, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, the paragliding thing was kind of an unexpected turn for me because I just talked about being a runner and, you know, I was a ballet dancer, but I never really did sports that are quote-unquote risk-taking. Mountain biking was, like, the closest thing to that, but paragliding just kind of, like, fell into my lap in a way, and... My ex-partner was learning how to do it, and he learned how to do it, and I would always, like, run up and watch them launch, and then I'd run down, and it looked super cool, but I didn't really care about learning myself, and then finally it got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I need to learn so that we can do this together, and started taking lessons, and for some reason it just came pretty naturally to me and it didn't feel scary I'm actually afraid of heights which is a weird thing about it you start learning to paraglide by kiting just so you just go to the park and you practice pulling your wing up in the wind and you know getting control of it and learning how the brakes work and how the lines you know make the wing interact with the wind and in relation to your body and So we did that for a few weeks, and then we went to this place called Rainbow Park in Missoula, kind of on the outskirts of Missoula. And it's just a little hill, but you do your first kind of like little bunny hops there where you just kind of 
glide off this little hill and then practice launching and landing. And then my first true flight was basically kind of right below the L off Mount Jumbo in Missoula. And I flew off of that and my teacher was, was on the radio helping me and it just felt really blissful. But that was a smaller flight, so it was still kind of like, you know, I haven't really truly flown yet. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of getting your bearings. And then my first flight off the top of Mount Jumbo, I will never forget it. And I have a picture of me taking off that night. It was on like a friend's borrowed wing. I didn't even have my own wing yet. And it was a sunset. So it was just that kind of like golden hour in Missoula type vibes that was happening and my teacher was there my ex-partner was there there were a bunch of friends there and then Jeff Shapiro he's just kind of a Missoula legend really amazing pilot and athlete he was there and he was like all right Jenna you know get whenever you're ready just feel free to launch and I just felt really calm and um, I wasn't really scared at all which is not like me because I'm naturally kind of an anxious person and I just took off and the air was super smooth the sun was setting it was just beautiful and Jeff talked me off the hill and I just took off and it's honestly like the first feeling of true peace that I've ever felt you can't really think about other things when you're doing something like that especially for the first time And so I just kind of like took off and I was like, wow, this is so great. (laughs) Like, I am so happy right now and just like smiled. And obviously, you know, I had the radio on still and I was, you know, they were a couple instructors helping me like get into the landing zone safely, but probably like a, I don't know, like seven minute flight maybe. And it was just like the best thing ever. And ever since then, it's just become an obsession. But it's it's gone through some evolutions for sure. And I've only been doing it for four years, which it's not a long time. But I just got my advanced rating, which is, you know, you're always learning in this sport. Like there's pilots who've been doing it for 40 years and there's, they're like, we're still learning, you know, about the weather and wings and flying and risk-taking and there's just so many elements of it Mm -hmm. that that's why I'm attracted to it is because it's a pretty intellectual sport there's always something to learn and progress and you get faster and start flying further and you know I went from flying for seven minutes to I think my longest flight is like just short of six hours in Colombia flying in mountains there and I've gone like so many cool places now and just you see the world from an amazing different vantage point. I mean, you can climb to the top of a mountain, but when you launch off it and you get above it and you can see the whole range, it's so cool. And there's been times where I've been flying where I'm just like, is this real? Like, it seems like it's a video game or something. Because I'm just literally just a, I don't know. Like, it feels like I'm not real or something. Because it's so beautiful. And 
I just so look forward to safely progressing as a pilot and getting good, but still enjoying it along that pathway. It's funny, I had a pretty scary, bad experience this summer in in a safety course. I was learning how to do this maneuver where you're kind of, you know, I'm trying to explain this in a way that makes sense to everyone, but it's called a sat. And what you're doing is you're spinning around, basically your wings spinning around you. And I was practicing that. It's an acrobatic trick. And I messed it up, the end of it. And I got locked into a really strong spiral and the g-forces involved in that are like really extreme and I actually like blacked out and lost consciousness doing that and I luckily came to and I was over the water because that's what you get towed out behind a boat over the water when you're doing this type of thing and luckily came to realized what was going on and by the grace of God got out of it and then like went and landed you know my partner was there watching actually filming there's like a video of it he was filming it you know the instructor was there the instructor told me to throw my reserve parachute like 20 times and I didn't even hear him because I was not with it at that time and as soon as I landed I was like all right you know I need to take a step back in this sport and like take these lessons as they come and not try and progress too quickly like this is obviously something that's really dangerous even though it is so blissful and you can do it safely there's obviously like an inherent risk in these types of sports and so now I'm like I need to just appreciate every flight that I have regardless of how long it is how rad it is like if I launch and land safely I still flew like that's so cool Mm -hmm. like not a lot of people get the chance to do that so I think every sport you know if you get enough into a sport you start to reevaluate it and um, look at it in a different way and I'm still a beginner in this sport so I know I have a lot of years left to fly and I really want to be able to do that. (laughs) That's the voice of Jenna Lyons she's been paragliding since 2018. Jenna, I had this phenomenal experience of sharing a place that I cared a lot about with my father, and that was the Grand Canyon. It was There's nothing to compare to it. It's probably one of the highlights of my life, and I know that you shared a place that you love with your father. Didn't you take your dad paragliding recently? Can you tell us about that? My dad, he lives in Pocatello, Incom, Idaho. He came to visit me in Missoula, and it was his birthday and Father's Day, because his birthday kind of coincides with Father's Day. I decided to surprise him and get him a tandem flight with uh, Jeff Shapiro, who I talked to you about earlier, who was there for my first flight. And so he showed up in Missoula and I was like, bring your hiking shoes because we're going to go hike the mountain. And so we hiked Mount Sentinel in the morning and all my paragliding friends were there and I was like, well, you're actually going to fly off the mountain today with Jeff in a tandem rig. And he was like super stoked about it. He's 67 and he's super fit. So he had no problems hiking up, which is lucky. But, you know, Mount Sentinel, it's like 2000 vertical feet 
approximately and so he hiked up with all of us and he was just having a blast and we launched at about the same time and we got to share the air together and see Missoula from above and it was just so fun to I kind of take flying for granted sometimes because it's so easy for me to do but to be able to take my dad up and he got kind of sick because some people get like motion sickness when they're flying but he was like hooting and hollering at me I was flying right next to them and it's just pretty cool to share like something that I'm so passionate about with my dad and see him enjoy the gift of free flight too. Jenna, for someone listening who doesn't know anything about paragliding, you know, you say hang gliding, paragliding, like they're trying to visualize what you're talking about. Could you give us a little 101 on paragliding and how it works, um, everything from this setup to working with thermals? Paragliding and parasailing and hang gliding and kite surfing are confused. People confuse them a lot because if you didn't do them, you wouldn't know. But honestly, like they are all the same concept in that you are using a wing of some sort to catch air and accomplish something or go somewhere. So hang gliding is still around, but it's there's less people doing it now and they're actually not going to be making hang gliders anymore, or at least a couple companies are not going to be. But hang gliding is, if you've seen wings in the air that are like v-shaped and they're fixed wings so they're not moving around but they look like a v those are hang gliders and hang gliders go a lot faster they can tolerate a lot more wind and it's such an awesome sport but it's a pain because the wings are so heavy and you have to drive up the mountain and set it up So it's more of an ordeal. But people are still doing it, and they're still doing it in Missoula, which is cool. And I've thought about doing it. But paragliding is more recent of a development, but there's a craft that can fold up into, like, a backpack. There's cells in it, so it fills up with air when wind hits it, basically. When wind hits the leading edge, the top of it. And it fills up, and it can fly... The only caveat with that is that because it can fold up into a backpack, it also can collapse in the air. So it's pretty stable once it's once when there's air flowing through it, it's an airfoil, so that keeps it stable and the air inside it keeps it going basically. If something bad happens, like some unexpected turbulence that's strong or the pilot is doing something wrong I'm trying to use like really basic language here that's not confusing if the pilot is over piloting the wing or causing the wing to interact with wind or air in a way that is not helping the wing stay as an airfoil or function as a wing that canopy the wing can collapse and it can be life-threatening unless you know how to deal with such an event which is why we do those safety courses over the water and we have reserved parachutes so if something goes wild and you're high enough you can throw it and have a hard landing but make it okay Mm -hmm. or land in a tree or something you have a harness that 
you hook into the wing with a harness. It's kind of like a climbing harness, but they're more substantial. Like, obviously, we have our parachute in there. We have some back protection. I have a really lightweight running and flying setup that's like a super lightweight wing and like a, it's basically like little lingerie type harness. It's so small, it fits in my running vest. So there's a lot of different kinds of wings of paragliders, but there's like speed wings and mini wings that are smaller and they go faster and closer to the ground. And those are fun too. So yeah, lots of wings, lots of stuff, lots of expensive things. <laughs> Tell us about thermals. Thermals are basically how we stay up in the air as paragliders, but fundamentally what it is is a thermal is a mass of rising warm warmer air. So there can be triggers of thermals on the ground. Like, Trinity is a really easy example. For instance, when I was in Colombia flying, a lot of the times there will be like a tractor plowing a field. Which, if you imagine a field of, of dirt, the dirt is just, it's just there. But then when you suddenly plow through it, and a tractor's moving through it, or sheep, or anything, there's heat that's under the dirt that's getting released from the dirt, and then heat rises, so a thermal would rise from that dirt and create a thermal rising mass of warmer air, which, because heat rises and because you're in that air as a paraglider, you can go up in it, which is awesome because it means you can extend your flight and go for a long time, for hours. So it's cool. It's also kind of like a dark art. I'm learning to thermal still. You always can get more efficient, even though you know how to thermal mm -hmm. in a paraglider, you can always become more efficient at it or, you know, be safer in it. Thermals have cores, so... You know, there will be like a main core and then less strong lift outside the core. And so when you're learning to thermal, you learn to core the thermal and find that center, which obviously wind and air is invisible. So you have to like really feel it when you're up there. And it's really cool because you can't see it. You can kind of, as you're going along, you can kind of estimate and you learn what triggers there will be of thermals like when you're in the mountains there will be like ridges with high points that are rock or whatever and you know if the sun's hitting a rock on the top of a ridge you can guess that that knob on the ridge will be thermal producing or like the corners of rivers where it changes from like the water to the ground mm -hmm. that will be like a river bend that typically is a good place to look or like parking lots, like black rooftops that are hot. You just learn all these cool things. Like there was a pig farm in Colombia and it, the thermals smelled horrible that were coming <laughs> off it. But it was like a really reliable, you know, there's like manure and a pig farm and pigs running around. And, you know, in a pinch, that's a good thermal to be in if you want to keep going. So 
those are thermals really hard to explain but they're cool it's black magic for sure but a really cool thing to learn Hello there, Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled. I want to thank our premier sponsors for The Trail Less Traveled, New West Knife Works and The Mountain Man Toy Shop. Handmade knives and tools forged in their factory on the western slope of the Tetons in Victor, Idaho. New West Knife Works makes knives like they cook, using the best ingredients and preparing them with patient hands of an artist. Their aim is to bring more joy to everyday chores by making tools that are as beautiful as they are useful. See for yourself by visiting newwestknifeworks.com. Use promo code MANDELA for 10% off your entire purchase, which will not only set you up with a knife that you will pass down for generations, this also supports the Trail Less Traveled podcast and international outreach programs. Visit newwestknifeworks.com using promo code M-A-N-D-E-L-A. I'm sitting here on a beautiful summer evening with Jenna Lyons. She is a lawyer with Sullivan Wagner and Lyons. She's also an athlete with a focus on paragliding, running, kiteboarding, and whitewater kayaking. Jenna, is there any way that you could paint the picture for the listener as to where you are right now? And also from the perspective of a paraglider, you know, maybe wondering if this might be a good day for a flight and what you're looking for. Actually, so I intentionally didn't check the wind and flying conditions tonight because I knew I was doing this and I was like, (laughs) I need to focus on what I'm doing. But for those who aren't here with us, it's just this super serene feeling. We're in the rattlesnake, so there's a creek right behind us. We're in a patch of ponderosa pines. The sun is shining. There's some fluffy, friendly-looking clouds around, um, and it's not smoky, which is it's just a total breath of fresh air. Classic, like, Missoula. But there's a there's like a hint of fall in the air, which is seems premature, but it's definitely present, at least for me. <laughs> Love it. Jen, I want to go back to running and what you talked about earlier in terms of meditation and finding inner peace on the trail. Law school, as you can imagine, is kind of a difficult experience in that you kind of have to neglect a lot of things and just you have to rob a lot of other areas in your life of the energy that they deserve in order to completely commit to these studies and learning this field I kind of went into law school with the mindset of if I have to do that if I have to quit doing the things I'm passionate about and that make me feel good in order to become a lawyer, then I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to finish law school because it doesn't feel genuine to me in this life, which is so fleeting to completely give up on my relationships, my sport, you know, my outdoor things, myself as a person. doesn't feel good to me to do that. So... 
I made an effort and we talked about like my learning experience of basically creating too much stress in my life and learning from that. But I tried my damnedest to maintain my health and my sense of self in the course of those studies. And and I wasn't trying to get straight A's in law school. That was not my goal. My goal was to learn new things and and try and become a competent lawyer and pass the bar basically and I did that and I in hindsight I think for me the way I was able to accomplish that was by maintaining my nutrition and my exercise and friends and all of those things that make life like good (laughs) and I really enjoyed law school I enjoyed learning I loved my professors I had some good friends and good times I don't think law school truly prepares you for being a lawyer but that's the path so just accepting the path as it comes but I mean taking an hour a day if or less you know if all I had was 20 minutes to go cruise around the neighborhood that was better than nothing for me and it was a total way to self-soothe and reset and force myself to breathe in an intentional way for me like sitting down and meditating sometimes when you're so strung out and stressed out is not it's almost counterproductive for me Mm -hmm. you know now I do it now that things are kind of more in a sense of like stasis and a little bit more calm and predictable schedule wise but but, you know in law school I was too stressed out to sit down and meditate like it just wasn't working it was almost more stressful to think about doing that and make myself do it and not feel like it was enough or whatever so going for a walk or a run like even a quick one was was the way through it for me You have been on the trail less traveled, and this evening we were sitting with Jenna Lyons. She is a lawyer with Sullivan, Wagner, and Lyons. She's also an athlete with a focus on paragliding, running, kiteboarding, and whitewater kayaking. Jenna, thank you so much for your time and energy joining me here on the trail less traveled. Thank you so much. (laughs) Let's end your show with three bits of advice on life. So I thought about three tips pretty at length and uh, wanted to make them, you know, good ones that have resonated with me. And I'm, I'm not that I'm 29. So like, what could I possibly have to offer to most people? Cause I'm basically a kid, but the three main things that I came up with were first, don't compare yourself to others. My favorite quote ever is from Teddy Roosevelt. And he said, that comparison is the thief of joy which I love and is so true because we can get so caught up and I find myself doing this comparing myself to others and getting lost and forgetting about the joy that comes in learning and growing as a person and that everyone is on their own trail or their own journey Uh, the second one I came up with was be a perpetual student and let anything and everything be a teacher. For me, it, it means that we can learn anything from anyone. Everyone's having their own 
journey, their own struggles, and we can learn anything from animals, people who are struggling, people who are mean to us or not kind, or from ourselves if we turn inward and really reflect on what's going on there. So, yeah, just being a student and being open to letting experiences be our teachers. The third one that I came up with kind of related is to appreciate people and experiences over things. Same with any like outdoor adventure or really any interaction with another person is you only get one life. So if you're just trying to get stuff, that's pretty easy to do if that's all you're focused on. But trying to get meaningful relationships with people and adventures and the things that we actually remember that's a lot harder to do but a lot more rewarding namaste Missoula. mandela here your host of the trail less traveled i'd like to thank jenna lyons my guest this evening and remind you all that the show premieres every sunday evening at six mountain time You can stream it live online at trail1033.com. And if you missed the premiere, the show is also a podcast, available everywhere and at traillesstraveled.net. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded on location around the world and is a production of the Missoula Broadcasting Company, home of the Trail 1033. This has been episode 460. My adventure tip this week is simple. It's to do a stretch every morning before you get out of bed. Many of us have lower back pain. I think it's a result of sitting at a desk. So if you can, do a gentle twist right before you get out of bed, breathing there for about 25 breaths. That's it for this week's adventure, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week, do something for Mother Earth. And get outside. Shred the gnar. Because as you know, the thing about the gnar is, it does not shred itself. The different lands flash by. Here we are in India. How proud my Jason was to reach here in six days. But alas, his pride was quickly dashed. The monsoons raced us after all. We were very disappointed, but it was no use sitting down to cry. Poor old Jason was so upset that he ran his nose right into a ditch in the wrong field when we were trying to find the race course at Rangoon. But that was when we lost our chance of beating the record. It took ten men and me two whole days and nights to put old Jason together again. We cheered up a wee bit when the three arched rainbows circled us in the Java Sea. But it wasn't till we actually sighted Australia that we were really happy. Then we just shouted for joy. How will Australia receive us? That's the only time we wandered. Now we know she has taken us to her heart, given us of her best. Such a welcome as will never be forgotten in history. And Jason and I love her so. This episode of The Trail Less Traveled is sponsored by the Missoula-based and locally grown Mountain Meadow CBD. Their hemp is grown organically and all of their products are organic as well. 
Mountain Meadow utilizes a living soil technique that helps ensure the symbiotic relationship between the plants, the soil, and the insects. CBD has many therapeutic benefits, including, but not limited to, anxiety, joint pain, gut health, deeper sleep, depression, and as an immune system booster. Mountain Meadow CBD is a family-owned farm with very reasonable prices due to the fact that there are no middlemen between you and your product. They offer CBD tinctures in different strengths, pain solve, lip balm, vapes, and pre-rolls. You can find out more by visiting mountainmeadowcbd.com or on Instagram at mountainmeadowcbd.com.